Hello, real life family and friends. This is Pastor Tim, just excited to be able to share another word with you today on the ways of the kingdom. So we're in a series called The Ways of the Kingdom and how we have been rescued out of the kingdom of this world, out of the kingdom of darkness and brokenness and evil. And we've been grafted into the kingdom of the Son of God, into the kingdom of Jesus, right? The kingdom of God, which is completely different from our sin-based uh, previous you know, slavery uh, to, to sin and to the devil. And so what are the ways of this kingdom? What are the ways of this new life that Jesus has brought us into? That's what we've been talking about over the last three weeks. And so we started with, we have a new identity. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, and that means if anyone has placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they have come out of the old kingdom under the uh, power of sin and the devil, and they have trusted their, their life to Christ, to Jesus, you are grafted into Christ now. And the Bible says if anyone is in Jesus, anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So that's what we're talking about. So we have a new identity in Christ. It's no longer our self identity. It is Christ in us, Paul says, which is the hope of glory. And so we need to learn who we are in Christ. Everything that is accredited to Jesus is now accredited to us. He took our place. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. He took our poverty and gave us his riches. He took our foolishness and gave us his wisdom. He took our curse and gave us blessing. And now the work of our hands is blessed. The feet were in the ground where we walk is blessed. And, and we can be redeemed and renewed in our mind, our body, our soul, because we have been made new in Christ. So let's begin to live out this new identity in Jesus. All right, week two, we talked about how we have a new authority, that we're no longer under the authority of sin, and we're no longer under the authority of Satan. In fact, Satan is now under our feet because he's under the feet of Jesus. And so we need to live on top, not under the circumstances. We need to live in authority over, not under uh, the devil and sickness and, and, and brokenness and addiction. So Christ came to set us free, set us free from all of those hurts and pains and habits that are destructive, the way of thinking, the way of behaving, the patterns of our family that, that are not healthy. Christ came to set us free, renew us, and put us on top. And so the only authority the devil has over us is what we allow him to have. And we can allow him to have authority over us through our ignorance of who we really are and who Jesus is. If we don't know the word, if we don't know who we are, well, then the devil can take advantage of those things that we're not aware of, right? He can also have authority over us through our apathy. If we know something, but we're not enforcing it in our lives. If we know some truth, but we're not activating it in our lives. Well, the devil's going to just come in and squat on our land. He's going to squat on your peace or squat on your joy or squat on your health or on your marriage. And he's going to keep trying to find a space to take or bound you by something, right? And if we're lazy and if we don't resist the devil, the Bible says, if we submit to the Lord and we resist the devil, he has to flee. But if we don't do that action of submitting to God every area of our lives and purpose to to resist the devil and his schemes against us, if we don't do that, the devil's just going to keep encroaching more and more on our lives, right? So we can let the uh, devil have authority over our lives through ignorance, not knowing who we are, not knowing 
our rights as a child of God, not knowing the authority that we have in Jesus, uh, through apathy, just being lazy and not enforcing that authority, or through outright rebellion against God's word. We can just simply be in a state of hard-heartedness, rebel against God, rebel against his truth, and we're opening uh, the door of our heart for the devil to come and torment us, hurt us, wreck our lives, right? It's like leaving a wide open window in your house for a thief to come in. It's like putting a welcome mat on the front door of your, your heart or your soul saying, come on in, you know, because we are coming out from the protection of God when we rebel against his word. When we're purposely sinning against God, we're sinning without repentance. We're opening our lives for the devil to come in and have a foothold in us. And so all of those are choices. We can learn, uh, we can be active in our faith, and we can submit to God. And if we're not learning and growing, if we're not um, activating our faith against the devil, and if, and if we're just outright not submitting to God and living life on our own terms, we're going to have trouble. The devil's going to have space in our lives. So that's the new authority that God gave us. We don't have to live under the devil's torment anymore. We don't have to live under the control of sin anymore. We can learn a new way. The way of the kingdom is to live in authority over sin and over the devil and to be free. Hallelujah. All right? So you have a new identity. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you have new authority now in him, uh, in Christ. Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and to scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you, Luke 10, 19. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. That's what he says to you and to me today, because he has put Satan under his feet, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, far above all power, all rulers, rulers all authorities in heaven and on earth. We are seated with Christ in that position of authority. And last week, thirdly, we talked about a new family. We have a new family. As soon as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are grafted into the family of God. In fact, we're really kind of um, renewed in that family because we've always been a part of God's family, but we walked away. And we are now being reconciled to God, being reconciled to the family of God when we resubmit our lives to Jesus as Lord. When we give up living life on our terms, on our own way, and we say, Jesus, you have control of my life. We are now brought into the family of God. We have a new family, and this family is, is uh, the leader of this family is God. It's Jesus. He is the head of the church. He's the head of the body so that we might grow and mature and come into the fullness of who he made us to be. So we are, all of us are needed, one and another, to help each other, serve each other, love each other, bear each other's burdens, pray for one another, uh, and take care of one another. And so we need to be a part of this family. This is the family of God, and this is how the family of God uh, operates, right? This is the culture of the family of God, is to love one another, to forgive one another, to bear one another's burdens, uh, to, you know, to um, uh, serve one another, and to take care of one another. And so we need to be doing that as a family of God. So learn the culture, the family values under God, and let's become a great family in Him, in Him. Today, I want to talk about the fourth uh, new part of the, all the things that are new in our lives because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And it is this. We now have new power. New power. We have a new identity, new authority, a new family, and we have new power. So let's think about this. Before we came to Christ, we were under the power of sin. We were under the power of the devil. But now that we have come to Christ, we have a new power 
power to live a new life, and it is the Holy Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is the power of God and the presence of God, not only with us, but in us to help us live this new life that Christ made possible for each and every one of us to live. We are no longer to be dependent upon ourselves, our own wisdom, our own energy, our own strength, our own ingenuity, our own determination. No, 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 no. That is of the old way where we used to try to do everything on our own. But now we have a new way and that new way is to trust and follow and depend upon the Holy Spirit, not our own wisdom, not our own strength, not ourself. And so this comes all the way back to the very beginning when we see um, the Old Testament. When you look at the Bible, and if you've ever thought about it this way, the Bible is divided into two different Testaments, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Another word for Testament is covenant, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, I can summarize it by saying this. Exodus 19, verse 8. Moses received the covenant or the testament from God. It was basically an agreement. It was going to be an agreement between God and the people who just came out of Egypt, right? So now God is creating this people group uh, that came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He calls them out to belong to him. They meet at Mount Sinai. God meets with Moses. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the covenant. And he says, listen, here's the agreement. If you do this, 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 and this, then, then I will bless you. I will take care of you because you're looking at me as your God. I'll be your God and you be my people. Here's the agreement. You do these, these things, all these things, and I'll do this. If you don't do this, this, and this, then you'll be cursed, right? If you obey my law and my ways, you'll be blessed. If you don't obey my laws and my ways, you'll be cursed. So let's shake hands on it. Basically, that's the idea of the old covenant. So Moses came down from the mountain, presented all this to the people, and this is what the people said in Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 19, verse 8. They said, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will do. And so the people took on the obligation for themselves personally to obey all of the law, okay? Now, we know this did not work, and God knew this wasn't going to work. Before any of this even happened, before you and I were even created, God already knew what was going to happen, that we were going to walk away from him, we were going to try to um, live life on our own terms apart from him, and that God was going to make a way for us to be restored to him. But he had to show us that we can't do this thing on our own. Even here in the beginning of God's re revealed relationship with the people of Israel, he was going to teach them and show them that you actually cannot earn righteousness by yourself. You can't fulfill the law of God. You can't do this of your own power and your own strength. So the old covenant was really just God's um, way of bringing us to Christ, bringing us to our, our need and our recognition that I need a Savior. I can't do this. I've done my best. I still can't please God. I still can't live up to the, the standards of the law of God. I am a sinner. I, I am sinful. I am fallen. I cannot do it. Okay? So that's the whole point of the Old Testament, which, by the way, you know, in, in my Bible, it's this thick. And then the New Testament's a lot thinner. But this is the revelation of Jesus who becomes our Savior 
by fulfilling the old covenant on our behalf, something we could never do. So the old covenant is about trying to acquire righteousness through personal effort, through my obedience, through my works, through my power, through relying on myself. And we fail. Every one of us have failed. The Bible says none of us have, have fulfilled the law of God. We have all fallen short. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short of the standard. And so the power of the Spirit now is the opposite of the power of myself. So I am now redeemed in Christ. And this is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 24. Paul says, now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, apart from the old covenant. So the law is the uh, phrase that's used in the Bible to describe this old covenant. The law is me trying to earn righteousness through obedience on my own. That's what the law is summarized to be known as. So Paul says that old system called the law, where you and I had to work to get, try to do everything right, not do anything wrong, to be righteous. He says, now a righteousness from God apart from that system has been made known, to which the law itself and the prophets actually testified was going to happen. So when you read the Old Testament, you'll see there's parts of the Old Testament that's actually pointing to Jesus and saying, hey, there's going to be a new, a, a new system, a new way where God himself is going to fill us with his spirit and God himself is going to empower us with the ability to actually live a righteous life. So this is coming, guys. It's coming. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's going to come. He's going to save us from our sins. He's going to empower us. God himself, the Spirit of God himself, is going to give us the power to live a new life. And so this goes on in Romans chapter 3, verse 22. It says, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Right? This righteousness does not come from me obeying the law because I can't fully obey it. Instead of that system, there's a different way that God is allowing us to be reconciled to him and the only way that we can be reconciled to God. The only way we can have righteousness is this, through faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. And you and I know this, that the Bible describes how Jesus came without sin. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin for us so that we could have his righteousness before God. So Jesus became the sacrifice for our sins. He fulfilled the law by never sinning once so that he could set us free from that obligation. And if we would put our faith in him, if we would believe in him, we now actually have righteousness before God. And it has nothing to do with our personal works, but what Jesus has done, his works. And what we do is not work hard for salvation anymore. We believe in Jesus. We trust in Jesus. We put our confidence in him and we have a relationship with him. That's our new work, if you will. Okay. And so this is the difference. And not this, this new covenant, this new Testament, all about Jesus is really referred to in the scriptures as grace. You have the law over here and you have grace, which is embodied in Jesus Christ himself. And the, the power of this grace life is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the new power instead of myself. Self, ego, me, and over here, the Spirit of God is my new power to live a new life 
of righteousness through faith, not through works, in Jesus Christ. So Paul summarizes it this way. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, my ego, my self-identity, and I no longer live. But Christ now, Jesus over here, lives in me. And the life that I live in the body, I live by faith. Faith in the Son of God, not works to the law, but by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside this grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law over here, then Christ died for nothing. But righteousness cannot be gained through the law, because no one has fulfilled the law perfectly as required. It says here, Romans 3, 28, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Galatians 3, 11 says, clearly no one is justified before God by the law. We have all fallen short. And so we have a choice. Under the law, it's me, myself, and I, my power, my works. But under Jesus, it's through faith in his finished work on my behalf. And it is his power in me. It's his spirit in me. And my job is to rely and trust in God, not work it out on my own. Okay? So with all that being said, the Holy Spirit is the new power that we rely on now for this new way of living. I'm no longer trying to do it on my own, up to my own ideas, my own effort, my own willpower, you know, all of that, my stuff. I'm no, that's no longer my source now. My source now is God himself. <laughs> oh man, the spirit of God himself has come to empower us to actually live a totally different life. So when I'm walking through my day and you're walking through your day, if I keep switching back to the old style of my life where I'm trying to figure everything out, I'm relying on myself to figure, you know, to, to make everything happen, and I'm depending on myself, I'm crazy. I have a new way. There's a new power. Now I can ask for the Holy Spirit to lead my day, to lead my thoughts, to direct my steps, to empower me, uh, to give me the strength to put to deeds the, de the, 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 the sin of, of the past, and to walk in the light of God. So that's what we're talking about here. This new power is the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about that today, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is not just uh, about um, you know, salvation. It's about our daily life, a power shift in which I can now live a new life through his presence in me, through his power in me. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is the new power that you and I need to live this new life Jesus made possible. So Jesus said this to his disciples right before he ascended into heaven. He said in Luke 24, 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So he says, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So these disciples were already saved. They were all already believers in Jesus. But Jesus was instructing them, there is more for you. What you guys need to do is you need to wait in Jerusalem until you are filled with the power of God, until you are filled with my spirit. I'm going to ascend as soon as I ascend to heaven, okay? Then I will send my spirit to fill you. So when Jesus' presence goes into heaven, 10 days later, the Holy Spirit 
comes and fills believers who are cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. The temple of God now begins to be human beings. No longer a building made of stone, but um, a, a heart filled with hunger and, and cleansing and redemption from the blood of Jesus. And now the Holy Spirit dwells in believers. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, and he dwells in me. And you say, no, he can't dwell in me. There's no way. I'm not worthy enough. Of course you're not worthy enough under the old covenant because you failed. But you are worthy enough now because you're in the new covenant and you're cleansed. And your faith is no longer in yourself. Your faith is now in Jesus. And Jesus' redemption is complete and perfect on your behalf. So now you are cleansed and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is awesome. So this is what Jesus told him to do. You need to be clothed with power from on high. You may be a believer, a Christian, but have you been clothed with the power of God? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Because these disciples were believers, but they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, all of us, need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the power of God. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is quoted as saying, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And so part of the reason for the power of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is to be the witnesses to this world, uh, to have the spiritual gifts flowing in our lives, and to have the truth of God just flowing through us through the Spirit's help, and to have the gifts and the discernment and the strength and the power that we need to live this new life so we become a brighter light on this planet, and we are able to empower other people to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior like we have. So the Holy Spirit is for each and every one of us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we read of the Spirit coming down on the believers 10 days later after Jesus said this and being filled with the Holy Spirit. It says this, all, all, okay, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And today, all of us need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We all need God power, okay? We need this God power. We need to learn how to live by the Spirit. The Spirit is with us, and He's in us, and we need to tune in to Him. Every time that we are living by the Spirit of God, we are producing life in us and through us. And every time we're not living through the Spirit of God, or we're living through our flesh, we're producing brokenness, we're producing, you know, uh, evil and pain, because that's the old kingdom, and that's the old way. When I'm in charge, I'm making a mess of things. But when the Spirit of God is in charge, He's producing life in me and through me, and in you and through you. So the Scriptures tell us we need to live by the Spirit. We need to live a different life. We're not living by our intellect. We're not living by our emotions. We're not living by our opinions. We're not living by our pat uh, patterns of the past. We are not living by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth who will lead us and guide us into truth and produce life in us and through us. So the believers are all filled with the Holy Spirit, and interestingly enough, the very first description of this filling is that they began to speak in other languages. By the Spirit, the Spirit of God just empowered them to start speaking in other languages. So the Bible talks about this gift of tongues, or this gift of languages. I call it our spiritual language, a spiritual language. It's a language that um, our minds do not know, but our spirit is generating. And when the spirit generates this spiritual language, the Bible says several things about, about that language. Number one, 
It says that praying in the spirit builds us up. It builds up our spirit. Our spirit's getting charged up. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, he who speaks in a tongue or in a language, a spiritual language, edifies himself. So when we are doing this, I kind of see it as like charging a battery or something like that, where when we're speaking in the spirit, our spirit is getting stronger. It's being fed, it's being built up, it's being energized, it's being charged up, and, and, and it's building us up, okay? Also, praying in the Spirit, kind of, I, I kind of look at it this way, tunes me more into God. It helps me to begin to get out of my fleshly thinking, my emotions, uh, you know, the worldly view of things. As I'm praying in the Spirit, my mind begins to get more tuned into God's will, God's perspective, and God's voice. And I feel like it's almost like a radio station just kind of like praying in the Spirit just tunes my spirit up and tunes into what God is saying, what God is thinking, what God is willing to do. Instead of me just being stuck over here with my own thoughts, interpreting events out of my own flesh, my own insecurities, my own fears, my own worries, my own pain, my own opinions, my own background, trying to see things through the natural is, is what I'm used to, and so are you, but we have a new power now to see things the way they really are in the spiritual realm. And praying in the Spirit allows you to tune into what God is thinking, seeing, perceiving, wanting to do. Here's a verse out of Romans chapter 8, verse 26, that kind of backs up this idea. It says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Even though we think we ought, we often know. But a lot of times, our, you know, our perception of things are not true. The Bible says we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So when we're praying in the Spirit, we're actually, the Spirit himself, the Spirit of God, is actually praying for us and for others. We don't know exactly what's being prayed, but we do know this, it is the perfect will of God. Because the next verse in Romans 8, verse 27 says this, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is powerful. What this is saying is when you're praying in the Spirit, the Spirit is praying perfectly in alignment with God's will for your life and for those that you're praying for. That you're praying a perfect will of God prayer. Wow, that's awesome. So a lot of times we're praying, we're not sure if we should pray this way or that way, but when we pray in the Spirit, we are praying God's will because the Spirit himself knows the heart of God is in unity with the, the, the Father. And so the Spirit is, you know, it's confusing to me, but because God is three in one and, they, and God is perfect in perfect unity, but there's three persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says the Spirit is praying in accordance with the Father's will for you and for me. That's awesome. That's why Paul says, basically, I pray in tongues more than anyone. I mean, why? Because Paul is praying for God's will to be done in his life and God's will to be done in the people around him. So he prayed in the Spirit all the time. So this is part of the new power that we have to pray God's perfect will to be done. You may say, well, I don't have that ability. I don't have that gift. Well, some will talk about it in a minute that you should seek all the good gifts that God has for you. And you should seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And you should allow God the space to do something that you might not completely understand in your life. Because we're talking about spiritual power and spiritual weapons and spiritual preparation that God wants to do in you that's not natural. It's not natural. That doesn't make sense because it's the things that make sense to us are of this world. But God is spirit, and the spiritual realm is, is, needs to be more discerned and can't be discerned without the Holy Spirit's help. So we are actually spiritual beings, and we are in a spiritual warfare. And our life really is about the spiritual realm, not just the natural. So we need to be able to translate from or transfer from my thinking, my feelings, and my will to God's thinking, God's perspective, God's feelings, God's will. And we can't do that in the natural mind. We need that natural mind with all of our limitations and struggles to be superseded by the Holy Spirit because otherwise we'll pull those things down and analyze them and criticize them and break them apart and, and just dismantle it. So the Holy Spirit gives us a language that our mind can't get in the way and make a mess of so we can pray the perfect will of God. <laughs> so that's how I make sense of it at least. And so praying in the Spirit, I pray in the Spirit a lot throughout my day, under my breath, before I give a message, even while I'm you know, driving around and, and thinking throughout the day, I'm talking to God all the time. I'm praying in the spirit and I'm praying with my, with my, uh, with my mind. I'm doing both. I'll be praying about things that I, I know I ought to pray about, but I'm also praying in the spirit and seeking God to speak to me and lead me and guide me. So who do you talk to throughout your day? You know, the Bible says, um, that we can go to God. He is with us and he's in us all the time. So actually what I found happening over the course of my life is I'm, I used to talk a lot to myself and I used to try to give myself pep talks. And I used to try to get myself, you know, come on, Tim, you can do this. You can do that. You can do this. But I, what I found is, as I'm teaching you today, the, the revelation that it's no longer me, but it is Christ. I am now talking to God more than I'm talking to myself. And instead of trying to get myself to do this, I'm talking to God all the time. One of my daily prayers all the time, all day long is, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I mean, that's it. Help me, Lord. Because what I'm doing is I'm realizing I can't do this. This is not in me. And the pressure shouldn't be on me. I've got nothing. It, my, my old self can't do No, this is not, I'm not going to look to myself. Uh, for the power, the wisdom, or the strength for this thing that, that I'm continuing with. Lord, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I'm looking to you, Lord. I'm Spirit of God. I'm looking for you to direct, for you to anoint, for you to change, for you to empower, for you to break through. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. That's what I mean by that prayer. Lord, this is your problem. It's not my problem. I'm looking to you for the answer, not myself. I'm trusting in you, oh God. And that's, that's like a prayer I pray several times a day, all the time. Because I'm, I'm just reminding myself, this isn't my problem. This is a problem that I need to give to God. Because I'm not relying on myself anymore. I'm going to rely on, on God's presence, on the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. I'm releasing it to Him. I'm releasing my fears or my struggles or my pain or my pressure. I'm just releasing to Him. I'm going to live by the Spirit. I'm going to let Him direct my steps. I'm going to let Him carry the burden here. You see what I'm saying? This is how we live a new life. Because we have a new power. A new power, the Holy Spirit, God himself, in us and with us all the time. So let's activate that new power. Let's walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit. So one of the uh, pieces of the armor of God is at the end of Ephesians chapter 6. 
after it talks about the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the sword of the spirit, the belt of the truth, and all these different pieces, at the end in verse 18, it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the spirit. So this is part of the equipment that God has given you and me to live a victorious Christian life is praying in the spirit. So don't forget about that. We have all these pieces of armor that we know of, and but we also have this uh, direction to pray in the spirit, to pray in our spiritual language, to pull down strongholds, to build ourselves up, to tune into God, right? And, and to know that what we're praying in the spirit is praying according to God's perfect will. So God says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and supplications. <clears throat> Excuse me. So here's what Romans says about the difference between living in the old kingdom way and living in the new kingdom way by the Spirit. Romans 8, 6 says, the mind of sinful man is death. In other words, when you are thinking and you're feeling and you're uh, believing what you used to on your own, doesn't work, it produces death. But it says the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So we're talking about real, practical, daily living uh, change here. You can keep, keep thinking the way you used to think. You can keep doing the way you used to do. But the Bible says, hey, if you're in Christ, all that old is gone, the new has come. Now, we can stop doing the things that we always used to do, and we can learn how to live with a different source, the Holy Spirit. And if our mind is given over to the Spirit... If our mind is controlled by the Spirit, it's going to produce life and peace in us and through us. But if our mind is controlled by worry, fear, and all our insecurities, and my thoughts, and my feelings, and my will, it's going to produce death. We're going to make a mess of it. There's no question about it. So, we need to grow in our ability to let God control. We need to grow in our ability to live by the Spirit. That's what the Bible is saying. Romans 8, 11 says, And if... <clears throat> excuse me... <clears throat> And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, the Holy Spirit living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. And so the Holy Spirit lives in you, and God is saying that the spirit living in you will actually bring life to you as opposed to the, the old way of experiencing death. So the Spirit is our source of life. In Romans 8, 13, says, If you live according to the sinful nature over here, you die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you live. And so that's the new power that God has given us in order to live a new life. So you may be saying to yourself, How do I know that I have the Holy Spirit? Or how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Or I think I am, but I'm not sure. What should I do? How do I get this new power? If Jesus told his disciples to wait until they are clothed with power from on high, to wait until they are filled with the power of God through the Holy Spirit, then each and every one of us also need to seek that filling of the Holy Spirit because we all need the power of God, this power of God. When Peter preached the first sermon recorded in the New Testament, right after the same morning, right after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the crowd asked Peter, 
What do we do? What's going on here? How do we get in on this? They're asking those same questions because they could see the boldness. They could see the, the power of God. They could hear the tongues, the languages of the world being spoken by these people who didn't know those languages. They could see this demonstration of the Spirit's power in the disciples and Peter preached the gospel of Jesus and they wanted to receive Jesus. They didn't know what to do. What do we do, Peter? What do we do? And you might be saying the same thing. What do I do? How do I get this power? How do I get this Holy Spirit? What is this all about? This is what Peter said. It's pretty simple. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, this promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Isn't this awesome? I love how Peter put this. I love how the Holy Spirit directed Peter to put it this way because that includes you and me. He's not just talking to the people in that day at that moment. Hey, this is for you. He says, this is for you. This is for your children, and this is for everyone who is far off, which that's me. I was far off from that day in history. I was a couple thousand years later, almost. And yet, that promise is still for each and every one of us. For all, Peter says, the Holy Spirit through Peter, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And when God has called you to, to know him through his son, Jesus Christ, he has also called you to be filled with his spirit, to have this new power, flowing in your life. So Jesus said this in Luke on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says this, Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So Jesus says, ask God. Ask him for the Holy Spirit. Ask and believe, right? In Galatians, Paul says that basically, you know, we, um, we, we came and were filled with the Holy Spirit, not because of something that we did under the law, but because we believed. And Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek, you will find. Knock and the door will be open. This promise is for you. This new power is not for uh, a certain denomination of churches or believers. This is for every believer. Every believer in Jesus Christ needs the power of God, the Spirit of God to fill them, to be able to live the kind of life that God's called you and I to live. This is for you. This is for me. So if you're hungry for God, Jesus says, those who are hungry will be filled, right? Those who are thirsty, they will have their thirst quenched. And so I want to invite you to invite Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Peter says we need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the only prerequisite to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit cannot fill a vessel who's not submitted to him. It's like a, a, a temple that's unclean. 
We're not dedicated to God. But as soon as we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are cleansed and the Holy Spirit can fill us with his presence. So if you want to get saved today, uh, then you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you want to be filled today and you have been a Christian, you say, I've been a Christian a long time. I just don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. Well, let's ask for the Holy Spirit today by faith. The same faith that we use, if you want to put it that way, to believe that Jesus died for our sins, that he will forgive us of our sins if we, if we call on him. That same faith that we use to be saved is the same faith that we use to be filled. We believe, thank you God, that this promise is for me, that you told me that you were gonna send your spirit so I'd be clothed with power from on high. Lord, I need your power. I receive you, Holy Spirit. I open myself to be filled, to overflowing with you so I can have this new power to live this new life in your name. And that's what we do. And we seek and we receive and by faith we begin to walk it out just like we did our salvation. So right now I wanna lead those of you who are wanting to get saved and give your life to Christ, I wanna lead you in this prayer. And then I'm gonna lead us all in a prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit from power, from the power on high, okay? So pray this prayer with me if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Say, Jesus, thank you that you love me and I am no longer going to stay under the old covenant, under the law where it was dependent upon me to earn my own righteousness. I couldn't do it, I can't do it. So Lord Jesus, thank you for making a way, a new covenant, not based on my deeds, but based on your deeds, your righteousness. So today I call upon you, Jesus. Save me, forgive me of all my sin and make me righteous before God as I declare you to be my Lord and my Savior. Right now, Lord, I just pray that you cleanse and, and your presence just fills each one that's praying this prayer. And they just feel your love surrounding them and touching them right now. And as they welcome you into their hearts, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit right now will come and fill us. If you desire the Holy Spirit, that power from on high, just join, join me in this prayer. Say, Lord God, thank you that the promise of your Holy Spirit is for me. And today, I receive you, Holy Spirit. Fill me to overflowing. Fill me with power that I have everything that I need for this new life that you've called me to live. That I'm no longer relying on myself, but I'm trusting in you. You are everything that I need to live a victorious life. Thank you for filling me from on high, clothing me with power right now in your name, Jesus. I seek all that you have for me. I receive you, Holy Spirit. Teach me, awaken me to who you are in me and help me to live the rest of my life following and trusting in you and your power, not myself and my power. I'm all yours. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray that your spirit will fill each one crying out for you and that your, your spirit will enable them to have a spiritual language, to do spiritual warfare, to speak your perfect will over their lives, to be encouraged and built up in their inner being, to be able to be tuned in to you, 
and to hear your voice clear in their heart, directing their footsteps. I pray your blessings upon each one today. Lord, we thank you that you are for us, not against us, that you're in us and you're with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us, that you provide everything that we need for life and for godliness. May you bless my brother and sister right now in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in his name. And may the Holy Spirit, the presence of God's Spirit, be so real to you today and this week as you trust in him and follow him in his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.